Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here we are, Boxhead, for the last time before we actually get some football back, finally. Yeah, it's been a long road, but we're uh, at the end of it. Uh, it'll be good next week to get some, some footy back. Oh, indeed it will be. No more of the media cycle and the repeat stories and corona talk and what's going on with this. And hopefully uh, no more negative stuff or football. Or football. But we got some little bits and bobs. It's never, never ever going to be all football. Yeah, I get that. But at least the majority is going to be football. It'll be a lot better than what we've been getting. But moving on from that, might as well dig into it straight away. Uh, one of the first things, I guess, get through the shit stuff. Number one. The whole anti-vaxxer gate, it's over. It's all sorted, and what a fucking circus that was. In the end, Bryce Cartwright, after all the stance and all the bits and pieces, somehow come up with a magical medical exemption after basically saying before it was more down to the fact he didn't want to get the needle. Uh, there's no two ways about it. It wouldn't have been that hard to go to a GP and say, I've had a, an adverse reaction before. So all the hoopla was for fucking nothing. Well, he got the result he wanted. He got plenty of media attention. Yeah, he sure did. Um, and in the end, it, it hasn't hurt the game. So it's probably um, frustrated a lot of people within the game and had people comment externally uh, from a game that normally wouldn't have an interest or have a need to comment. But, yeah, it's a strange, strange one. Um, like, uh, if, if they were to bring that in, like, as a yearly... I guess the expectation of the players, I think they'd have their ducks in a row, the NRL. Uh, it was just, I think it was just the fact that everything was happening so quickly and, you know, it, it depends on who you believe in regards to how it got to the point where the players didn't know, were they not told, were they told and then these players just decided to take a stand. Uh, it, it just looked to me like the NRL had so, so many things that they needed to tick off and get right and get done. And a lot of those things, or some of those things, are still not done. Uh, and, you know, there were some players there that thought they'd try and screw their way out of it. Once the vice sort of tightened, a few buckled, and, you know, it was only a handful of players that were that were left. You've still got the camera players who can't travel into Queensland to play. Yeah. That aren't getting the vaccine. So there's going to be that issue. Uh I doubt the grand final is going to be played in Queensland, but that would become quite a predicament if the grand final happened to be moved to Suncorp this year. And I think there's probably more likeliness or likelihood that it's going to be this year than any other year. Um, it would make interesting uh, times if Canberra were to qualify and the, and the grand final was to be moved to to Queensland, or even if, if Canberra were required to play a finals game up in in Brisbane or, or North Queensland, it could create a real dilemma for those players. It, it, it really tests whether they they truly believe in the, the stance that they're taking. Well, I guess the other question is: the further we get along in this 
side of things with the biosecurity measures as things get stepped down? Will it get to a point where they're not worried about someone having a flu shot to come play football in Queensland? But I'm pretty sure it was it's a contract that's signed for this year, isn't it? Oh, well, I, it was. I, it was a, a con- part of the playing stipulation. It was a condition year, of getting sure. getting started again under the conditions. But as things change, maybe the situation will change. I don't know. Much like when they started training, they couldn't contact each other. That to be in groups of eight, etc. That's changed already. So I don't know if if it will go for the whole season. But early doors, I think. Yeah, that's... If anyone's got advice, like we're we're trying to run a rugby league program at school and. We're back, as everyone, well, most people know, we're back full-time on Monday and we've got absolutely no clarification on what we can and can't do in regards to practical activities and can we do contact, can we train in large groups, like, who yeah, knows? Club football's so not we've back. Been given, we've been given no information on that, so... And I guess we, we'd be no different to, I guess, the stands that are going to be placed on those community competitions and yeah there's, there's not a little lot of information i've done a lot of googling a lot of searching and well, i think i can't get any information so it's very very murky and as you say i think you know it's in a month or six to eight weeks time we still the, the numbers keep going down and down and down i think things will probably just return almost to normal but yeah it's just hard to know at the moment well looking at again, things... a lot of people are sort of making decisions on the run and the priority's been obviously to get kids back to school which i totally understand but I don't think the ramifications of everything that happens within a school have been thought about. So, yeah, or is it just that they're at school? If they're back at school full time, they're just back doing normal things. I, I don't. Yeah, I'd, I I'd, don't know. I'd assume contact sport or a football program like club footy. I think I've only seen one or two junior league teams just randomly in passing on social media post things like there is no training, no gathering, no, nothing like that to be happening. I think more due to insurances and things that local junior leagues have to deal with. So. I think from their perspective, none of that stuff's going ahead. But school, uh, I don't know, might be different, may not be different. But I think things probably adapt and change as they go along. It's a bit like the home games or bits and pieces, like the Warriors have been told, obviously, if things got good enough for them to go home and travel over, that would be the case. Or if teams can go back to playing at their own grounds, the further this goes, one will know. But realistically, the way I've taken it so far is the draw or the ground situation, which was only announced in the last day or so, would apply up until about round nine and they'll keep adjusting uh, as they go along. But moving on, I guess, from all that kind of stuff, and thank God that's all over because the fucking media had a field day with it and what a bloody beat-up it was. Uh, we'll get the other negative kind of stuff out of the way. Uh, the Cody Walker video, uh, in all honesty, did I think it was the worst thing in the world? No, there's been a lot worse. Um, was it stupid? Yeah, I have some people blowing up probably a little bit over the top. I think so, but I go back to, again, I think this whole situation, the stoppage of the game, overanalyzing of things and trying to get things going again, that nothing like this is good to come out at this point in time, full stop. No. Um, It's just interesting, I guess, the blackmail situation. The incident itself, I I don't really know. I don't have a feel on how long you should be suspended and fine yeah. and all that sort of stuff because That's another the issue. punishments have been so inconsistent. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really hard to know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, you know, you can go right back to Mitchell Pierce, 125 grand. Yeah. Eight games. Like, eight games he got or smashed. games or whatever it was. And then you look at what Cleary's done and then what Adokar and Mitchell have done. Like if we're going off Dylan Napa. this year as the standard... I would probably think he'd probably fall into the Nathan Cleary category, maybe, you know, 25K in two games or 
whatever it is that, that Cleary got fined. I, I think that'd be about right. Uh, I think the bigger issue here is in regards to the fact that South have reported this, said to Cody, look, take it to the NRL Integrity Unit and he's going to get a punishment just in how clubs view this and whether it's worth taking it to the Integrity Unit if they can nip it in the bud themselves and just pay the 20 grand. Honestly, he's going, to be, he's going to be fined... I don't know if it's bloody worth... 25, I don't think it's worth 20 grand. 25 grand. Would you not just pay the 20 grand? Yeah, oh, avoid the suspension. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I guarantee you that NRL clubs are going to be thinking, "Well, is it really worth all the negative media attention, the suspension, the fine, all, all the other um, stuff that goes with it, or should we just pay it and get rid of it?" Yeah, well, like, the, I think it's been happening forever and a day within rugby league. The bit I saw. Uh, like uh, again, it's, it's never a good look. You never want anything like coming out for. But my God, there's been a lot worse shit come out. So on a punishment basis, God knows what he's going to get. But as far as twenty thousand dollars or what they're going to come up with a fine and bit and piece, I get that. But on principle, uh, on just honesty system, and if I was Cody myself, I would rather do what he did, which is he told the club, the NRL, and all that uh, well beforehand. And when it got to the blackmail situation, he just went straight to the cops and. Got on top of it, which I think in all facets he's handled it well. When he apologised the other day, or the way I heard him spoke to the media, I honestly don't think he could have been any more sincere. Um, the situation and the light of where they were when all that occurred, obviously not a great situation. It's definitely not a great look, but he basically said it himself. He couldn't have been more apologetic to everybody, and he's not going to fight anything that happens, but far out. Like, again, on, on a consistency basis, I think he's more going to be a victim of timing and circumstance, depending on what he gets. I, I don't think it's worse than a lot of the other stuff we've seen. No, and again, it just depends on what you're comparing it to. Yeah, well, fuck. Well, again, the Mitchell Pierce thing, again, a lot of people blew up at the time. Eight games in a hundred... You know, different, different administration, so... Yeah, I get that too, but far out, like... Again, I can't defend the video. We, we, the last thing we need is more of this stuff coming out. But in the blackmail situation again as well, I, I applaud him for getting on the front foot and just saying, ah, fuck, I wouldn't give anyone the satisfaction of paying him that money. Like, cop it on the chin, whatever it is. And when I actually saw the video, it's very minor. A lot of the media outlets saw the full version, said that basically it was barely a fight. It was two drunk guys that could barely touch each other. It was almost like it was being refereed. And they were helping pick each other up, and then he's coming with a bit of a flat kick when he thought his cousin was in danger, which it, it didn't really look like that was the case. But it looked like a lot of people in a bit of an emotional state, few too many drinks, and it led to nothing really. Um, never a good look, like I said. Yeah, and I can't defend it, but it, fuck, it's definitely not the worst crime we've seen in the rugby league world, that's for sure. But another one of these things, I guess, just again, timing-wise, overanalyzing anything, trying to lead back up into the game. Not good for the game. And I think in particular, if you're a South fan, you wouldn't be happy the last month, that's for sure. Um, from the Latrell thing to the James Roberts situation, like we said, that's never ideal and hopefully he's all good and he's able to get back on the field. But then to the Cody Walker thing, you know, there's it, just been a lot of stuff around South and a couple of players and a lot going on there. So hopefully for them, they all rally around one another and they can pull together once the competition kicks back off. Yeah, plus you've got the Wayne Bennett. I guess rumours that he's not going to see his contract out. So there's a lot of things swirling around. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's escalated the last few weeks, hasn't it? Mm. So interesting. There's still not a lot of mail on that situation. Like that kind of leaked out the other day. I, I, like I don't know how much you can read into that just yet, but well, it's been simmering along for a while. Mm. The fact that they announced that Demetrio was going to take over sort of 
signaled the end. It was just a matter of when it comes. So, mm. well, I think there was think kind if, of a. Right, if Bennett can secure a long-term deal somewhere else, he probably will go. Well, you can you can have the reins now, mate. You, know? you can't really blame them. Like when they signed him, he was already like, fuck. You can't be much longer in the tooth than Wayne Bennett. They were happy to get him there. He wanted to bring Demetrio with him. Like the whole situation works. Yes, like if they're getting a little bit frosty in regards to maybe taking a bit of control or. Uh, you know, icing him out a little bit in some bits and pieces. I don't really see how he can be surprised or think you're going to get so much control when you're realistically only there short term. But I don't know. Uh, I, he brought Demetrio with him, so that whole situation, uh, it's interesting in itself. But they're one of the teams I'm really intrigued to watch when things kick back off because there's been a fair bit going on. I didn't have as high an opinion on them when we did our eights. I had them right down the bottom. And if we readjusted now... Uh, again, I definitely wouldn't be bumping them up, that's for sure. I, I think they will be down probably in that seven, six, seven, eight kind of spot. Yeah, well, I like winning it. And there's absolutely no way that I'll be picking them to win it now. No, not after a lot of what's happened, that's for sure. Yeah, well, the off-field stuff. In our preview, any, anyone that has an off-field incident, you can almost put a red pencil on. No one that's had an off-field incident in recent seasons, like a major off-field incident, has done anything. Mm. I just, again, before we even kicked the ball, I wasn't really sold on the forward pack, like 1-7, to seven, again, like we talked about. Excellent, but I thought in that yeah, shot... We're, talking, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the yeah, here well, now. I'm, I'm coupled... Here now is that they've got massive issues. Yeah, and I'm coupling those two things together. Like multiple though. fronts. I didn't think they had the cattle on the field, but when you've got the, all this other stuff swirling or going on as well, it's definitely not helping. It's not pulling in the same direction, but... Uh, I think that's about all the, the negative stuff I had. I can't think of anything else that's been happening this week otherwise, but... Uh, getting into the nitty-gritty, we'll get some positive stuff out of the way before we get into the referee situation, maybe a little bit more that we've learned about the rules. Uh, the possibility of an afternoon grand final coming back. I love that idea. I love it. I don't think it's a possibility. I think it'll happen. I yeah, I well, no doubt. I've no doubt it's going it's to happen. Um, it's a fantastic idea. I love it. Absolute cracker. 3, 4 p.m. Daytime football in the sun. Makes for a better game. Like, just... I do love the night time. I do love when we go and we get to watch all the three grades. It is a good day. But honestly, if you got back to that format and kicked off a little bit earlier, whether that's, say, a 10 o'clock kickoff, a 1 o'clock kickoff, and a 4 o'clock kickoff for all three grades in the future, whereas this year, you know, presumably it's probably just the NRL grand final, I don't see why you don't want to make it in the daytime again. Because like when we leave, it, it is a good day, but it is a long day. And getting out of there at midnight... If you're a fan of a team, especially if you're in a Sydney club and it's been won in Sydney and you want to go back to the venue afterwards and celebrate or the players themselves, like I couldn't imagine what time they'd get. They wouldn't be getting out of there before midnight. No. But just no, for, no the, for the day itself, on a Sunday, for a TV spectacle, for people that go to the game, I, I think it'd be a much better day to be able to head into the precinct in the future, you know, nine in the morning or whatever, get to the Novotel, have a couple of brews early, get into the ground, watch all three grades and have a, a daytime game where the weather, obviously, and the nighttime hasn't kicked in yet and hopefully there's not as much dew. It is warmer generally that time of year anyway, but in particular, uh, you know, if, if that's the way forward, I, I don't see how a daytime game is not better. For TV ratings, again, they're talking about nine. Nine's poo-pooed a lot of things that they'd probably prefer the ratings of a nighttime game, but surely it couldn't be too much different from a nighttime game to a Sunday afternoon for a grand final. Oh, I don't, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think it matters. I, I think it'll be a better product for the fans as a, as a Sunday afternoon. I don't particularly like it as a Sunday afternoon issue because it's not a public holiday after it. Like I, th- I think it really, really fits nicely when it's on 
a Sunday and then you've got the public holiday the day after. Like, I think that's why the nighttime grand final works because, yeah. you know, like, say, if it's midnight, it doesn't matter because it's, it's essentially the day off. night. But this year, I just think it's it's extenuating circumstances. It's the only year, really, that this is going to happen. If, if we're that inclined to um, have a big day, you can just take your sickie on the Monday. Um, mm. I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, so... Uh, no, I love it. I, I think it it'll be excellent. Hopefully, it, it can be attended the way we're going now. Like there's absolutely uh, no reason why it won't be attended. So hopefully, we keep trending medically and um, the way we are. And we can have at least our final series and, and grand final and uh, our Origin series to be attended, which would be massive. You'd, you'd sell every game out, I would imagine which would just be a huge boost and momentum builder into into next year. Uh, and I just think that the, the product that we will be better, way better. I, I'd even love to see one of the Origin games played uh, on, an, on an afternoon. But, again, that might be a stretch because, again, the TV networks might um, might sort of allow the, uh, the broadcasters to have the... Sorry, allow the NRL to have the grand final played during the day but sort of say well, Origin we want at night so uh, even like where Origin's landed how, how good's that it's, it's going to land in between Melbourne Cup and, and uh, Oaks Day it's going to be a huge week mm. so, there's, there's, there's a lot to look forward to I know we've gone through some lean times but the fact that everything's now coming back and they've got a lot of catch up to do it means that we're going to get you know that, that time where you know, the AFL and the NRL end and the cricket starts, you sort of only get, really, the spring carnival. And other than that, you don't get a lot. So, but this year, we're going to be jam-packed right up until the end of October, and then we're going to roll 10 days later straight into Origin. It's going to be excellent. Yeah, and on that, I guess they probably won't go the afternoon route this year for the Origins because those three dates they've scheduled in are all Wednesdays. No, I just mean, particularly if it's not attended, like if there's going to be no fans, i I don't see why you wouldn't play it as a, an afternoon game. Yeah, but they've got them scheduled on Wednesdays, though, so... Oh, do they? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, this year... I guess in, in the model... Yeah, well, if they're Wednesdays, we're, we're no chance. We're, to be yeah, they've, they've stuck to the... It has to be nice. So they're not going to go the model where they... No. Like Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, they're going to play back-to-back, are they? 14 days. That was the next thing I was going to roll into as soon as you mentioned Origin. They obviously got the date sorted, so they've locked in the 4th, 11th, and 18th of November, which is three consecutive Wednesdays. Jesus, so seven-day turnarounds. Well, when you look at it, though, realistically, in between the games, it'd be no different to an NRL game. Is it the end of the season? Yeah. Are they going to be straight off the grand final? Yeah. It's probably going to be a lot harder, I guess, for any players. That's why I like the Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. I think that you, would have been a what a ten or eleven day turnaround into a ten. Uh, or I get day that, turnaround. but again, okay. it's, all, it's all good. I'm not going to argue. No, nah, it's it's this year alone where it just needs to be done. It has to get in. It's still interrupting with the T20. I think there's a clash potentially with a middle game with a semi final. So there's a potential there. I think I read that Channel Nine might have to split views between Origin and potentially a final. I don't know if there's a possibility of Australia being into that game, but. Um, I just think because it's going to be later in the year, straight after the grand final, they need to get it done. Yeah. Please. Pe- people will flip between both. It'll be fine. Oh, I'm not watching the cricket. 2020 or Origin, fuck. That's that's a no-brainer. Couldn't give two shits about the T20 World Cup. Give me the Origin. Oh, yeah, but... Like, uh, I would encourage Channel 9, right? If they're going to play it on... If they're going to play one on 9 and one on Jam or whatever, 
just to replay the other one straight after it. So if you choose to watch the cricket, you can keep it on gem and then just roll straight into Origin without knowing the score if, if you're that way inclined. Or if you watch the Origin, just replay the T20 semi-final straight after it so you can watch both and not know. Mm. That seems pretty feasible to me. Yeah, and I guess, again, one of the things that time of the year, November, are crowds back because they're part crowds is... How, how that's going to work going forward is the thing I'm interested in. We all want to get back to football. I still think there's a possibility that none of us get to attend a game this year, uh, depending on how the government well, chooses is, to go. If, if it all spikes back up again, definitely, yeah. No, but... oh, I don't think I don't know if they will get to the point where they just unleash us back in the stadiums, though. Even if they, well, why, why wouldn't they? If it keeps going down, well, if they don't have a vaccine and they don't want to spike, they may just say, yeah, well, if, there's no, there's, "If there's no disease and the borders are closed, and." Yeah, well, from the way they've talked, though, you can't eradicate it completely like we thought we could, though. So there's always going to be a chance that it can rear back up. But we can't obviously live in fear forever. But it, but it, lives, it lives in a person. If it doesn't have a person, it doesn't, the, the disease doesn't exist. No, I'm not a medical expert, but the way they were talking about it is even if but there's no is, cases in people... Flu, and then you recover from the flu, the flu's gone. And if you carry it, need yeah, to, but the flu, the flu still comes back yearly and changes and have different strands. I think what they're saying is corona... Yeah, because it's bought here by, via someone. Yeah, well, because our borders are open. That's how disease is transmitted. If our borders are closed, man, and we eradicate the disease, the stadiums will open. Guarantee it. Yeah, well, again, I fucking hope things are going that way. I'm not going to get in a medical debate with you because I'm not a well, doctor. I'm not but... getting in a medical debate. It's a, it's a simple... Hopefully. Common sense debate. Things do. And it's not a debate. I mean... If there's no disease, if there's no cases and our borders are closed, there's no new cases coming in. Realistically, the only cases we're getting come in now are from overseas, people quarantining who have come here with it. So, yeah, I think at the moment we're in a really, really good spot. I'd like to see us again, and I've said it for the last few weeks, just smash it out of the park so we can get everything kicking as, as quickly as possible. Mm. Well, I think we'll see the next week or two with the first level of restrictions where we're in New South Wales that... Uh, being changed a little bit everywhere. If the well, case, the big one is schools because they're saying that they've got data that it's it's not going to be transmitted within schools. So if, if that's the case, this is this is the big testing period because if, if they send everyone back to school on Monday and it, it can be transmitted within schools, then this thing's going to flare right back up again. Um, so you know, and again, you just got to trust the medical experts, I suppose. But um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, the only inkling I have is to saying, will people be able to attend games? Is one of the stadiums that was mentioned for the New South Wales game to happen this year was Bank West. And I thought, well, if they're going to stop possibly the redevelopment of ANZ, which to me, I think that goes on the back burner. It's not really a priority right now. If you could get full crowds back in, why wouldn't you have all the members, all the people be able to attend at the biggest possible stadium. The fact that they were talking... No, nah, they're, they're not going to put ANZ at the refurb of ANZ Stadium back for State of Origin. And, and not I'm not saying for State of Origin. Money. I'm saying for monies from the state government and everyone else. If we've pissed... They've already allocated the money. The money was in last year's budget. Yeah, I the, think the, there's... The, money, the money's going to go. There's bigger issues than building, redoing a stadium right now. If they needed the funds for JobKeeper and whatever happens moving forward or however That's they... Federal. That's federal money. It's, this is state money. It's yeah. totally different. Anyway, let's not get in a political debate. No, but the, yeah. the ANZ the ANZ stadium refurb is happening. Well, to me, state money. If you were going to have that game this year, surely you could delay it for a little bit. No, play at the big stadium because again, it's jobs. There's no way. There's no way they're going to delay it. 
Absolutely not. Like you, you sort of contradict your argument because it's going to create jobs. It's going to stimulate the economy. So and it's state money. It's it's going to happen. So they're going to have to find somewhere else to play. Um, state of origin, guarantee it. Mm, well. Uh, talk about Bank West. I, I don't think Bank West suffices. You need as many bums on seats as possible if you're going to have a game. Well, 30,000 will be okay. It's one, again, that's one year. If it's not open to everybody, well, then that's a different story. Well, then I can understand Bank West is a good place to play it. The Queensland game will obviously be at Suncorp if that's the case, and then there's still talk whether they take the third one to Adelaide. That all again depends on how things move trending forward because I'm pretty sure that's where one of the games was going this year. They haven't decided. Well, they already had it locked in there, but they're looking at possibly going there still, depending on how things pan out. So for tourism, again, I'd almost guarantee that's not going to happen. Well, again, depends on how things trend and where they're heading, but they've locked in no stadiums yet. It all depends on what happens moving forward. Oval. One of the games this year was set to be so played. So they're going to play on a cricket pitch because there's going to be a pitch there. Oh, I don't know. That was the one they locked in. It's not going to be in Adelaide, mate. No chance. Absolutely, absolutely zero. Well, they were saying the other day they, they hadn't given up on the game possibly going there. So I don't know. Again, nothing. Well, they can't play it because there's going to be T20 World Cup games there. The only thing they can't that's play it on a pitch. the only thing that's been locked in is the dates. That's all we know. Yeah. Well, I, let's have a bet. I'm not having a bet, I'm just telling you. They were still talking the other day about Adelaide, so I don't know where they're fucking going to play. I would imagine they'll just push the um, push that schedule back to next year. And they'll play it in Adelaide next year. I think... Again, in- that'd, be, that'd be common sense to me. They're not going to play it on a fucking cricket pitch, no chance. Well, and with, the, again, the potential of having no fans there. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure at the moment Adelaide's got their borders closed as well, so who knows? Yeah, well, again, that's why they have locked no venues in. They just mention it, that's all. They mention the possibility of still going there depending on what happens. So that's, again, yet to be decided. But for the origin side, player-wise, uh, obviously for players that are in the final series, which I think they said the majority of players last year, over 80% that played in origin football were from finals teams, they're obviously going to be ready to go, maybe a little more battered and bruised coming into an Origin Series, but you think if you'd had that layoff that you generally get in leading into the internationals, I've said it before and I'll say it again, internationals to me are nowhere near the intensity of a State of Origin game. If you were picked from a team outside of that final series, you'd bloody be need to need to be ready to go to play an Origin Series after having almost a month off if you didn't play finals football. Yeah, well, they're just going to whack them in some pods and Away they go. They're just got to best manage it. They've got to best manage with what we're what we're dealing with at the moment. By that stage, we might not need pods. Who knows? Because at this point in time, if we trend the same way, then we probably will be back to uh, back to normal, and they'll they'll just have a camp similar to what the kangaroos do. I don't see why it's such a big deal. They'll manage it, and they know now how it's going to work. So they'll have plans around it. It'll be fine. Well, moving on from that, talking about the NRL Reg start, what we're finally looking forward to, kicking off next Thursday night. The venues were announced today for the temporary situation again. They'll review this as things go, but they've announced that there'll be three stadiums that'll be shared in New South Wales, and they've also got the few stadiums outside of the state. So the Broncos and Titans to play out of Suncorp when they do. Melbourne's still going to play some games out of Amy, uh, and the Cowboys at the new stadium up there, Queensland Country Bank. But as far as the three Sydney stadiums, they've picked Bank West, Campbelltown and Gosford. As far as Bank West is concerned, you've got the Eels, the Dogs, South Sharks and the Roosters playing out of there. Campbelltown, you've got the Dragons, the Tigers, the Panthers 
and the Raiders, and for Gosford, the Warriors, the Eagles, and Newcastle. So, bit of a start off there. I, I don't really think we're surprised as far as being central for some of those venues and the way they look on TV when they were talking about that originally. A few people brought up the Leichhardt thing, and again, that was sort of poo-pooed that it doesn't look like we're a big-time league if you're showing that on TV and there's a hill and there's not really a stadium there, but... I don't think anyone could really complain as far as the travel and the bit of the setup. I'm sure the Raiders would like to play some games there, but uh, as far as logistics in this current situation, you get off at Campbelltown there. It's probably the closest stadium for them to play at. Newcastle, Central Coast, and the Eagles, pretty good result for them. The Warriors are looking to base themselves out of there once they come out of isolation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would really have a big complaint in this situation. And again, it, it's it's not a normal year, so... For anyone that was disappointed or was looking to kick up a bit of a stink, I'm sure everyone's willing to do their bit in this current environment and deal with the situation until hopefully four, eight weeks' time, however long apart, we're hopefully back just playing in, in our normal stadiums. Yeah. yeah. I heard some people bitching and moaning. Yeah, heaps Panthers of people. Fans Again. bitching and moaning that they're in Campbelltown, not a bank restaurant. You're not going to be going anyway. So yeah, what's, just get over What it. do you fucking I care? Mean, I mean, if you can't tell me that the club hasn't been in conversation with, you know, would you rather be at Bankwest or would you rather be at Campbelltown? And even if they weren't, like, Campbelltown's a belter ground. We play all our games there. It's a cracker. Uh, the, the worst thing you're going to get at Campbelltown is a bit of, bit of, uh, of a breeze. But there's not, a, there's not a better surface in the game than Campbelltown. That is good. Uh, and and it, it, realistically, what the NRL should have done is, and uh, I guarantee that they've done this as well, is go through and work out how much it's going to cost to hire the grounds and go with the ones that are feasibly cheaper. It just it makes complete sense. Why, why would you go and spend overs in terms of ground hire when there's going to be no fans? <laughs> anyway, look, if, if this is what you're concerned about, and people you know, saw a few today just bitching and complaining about where their team is and you know that it's unfair for some teams and not for others and you know, look, the, my, my team's got to travel up the highway and play at Suncorp. I couldn't care less. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get footy. Like, exactly. And again. And our biggest concern is not, not where we play, it's how we play. It's, I would encourage all fans to worry about how their team plays, not where they play. It's a temporary situation. And again, people are going to go, oh, what about if North Queensland have all their games at home or Melbourne have all their games at home? No, they're like, going to have all their games at, at it's, home. It's not. They've said for now that they're potentially going to play games out of there, but if they need to adjust things or they need to come up here for a couple of games, that'll be the case. Everyone's going I to... I imagine... We're in Melbourne round, round, uh, round three. Well, they haven't even decided the venues yet. Yeah, no, but is, is it a home game for them? Well, I know, it's a new draw, so I don't, I don't know whether you could classify it as a home game or not. Oh, because... Okay, yeah, right. It's a brand new draw. I, I, I'd almost guarantee that... Melbourne might be playing in Melbourne next week. If you look at it on the website, it says Melbourne versus Canberra, so it's more likely to be at Melbourne, but I reckon it'll be in Sydney. That's I reckon they'll play in Campbelltown. I don't think they'll be playing in um, in Melbourne for probably another month. No, nah, and that was my point to people again today, going, oh, Queensland teams and Melbourne. I'm like, I don't think... You, they're not just going to suddenly go, they get four weeks in a row of the next six or so while this is going on in Melbourne. They That's might chance. get a game or two, or there might be three games up in Queensland one week. But they're going to do their best to keep it to the least amount of grounds as possible. And the least amount of travel as possible. Yeah. So I don't think they're just going to throw in, potentially for the next six weeks or up to round nine they were talking about, four Melbourne home games or four Suncorp games. or you know, It'll be more than likely that they'll play maybe four of the six or the majority. There's people reacting and bitching and moaning about what they don't know. Yeah. 
it's too much unknown. But who cares? It, in the end, it's it, it's only going to like. There's no home ground advantage. The advantage is going to be in travel. Do you have to travel? No. Do you, um, you know, have to jump on a plane? Then I guess yeah, that is an inconvenience. Mm. But for the majority of the teams in Sydney, and you can throw the Warriors into that uh, argument now, throw Newcastle in there. Realistically, it's only the three Queensland teams plus Melbourne and Canberra really that are going to be inconvenienced. I, I, I would tend to argue that Canberra at the moment are going to be the most inconvenienced team. It's a, it's because they're three yeah. hours away and they can't play at home. Well, having so theoretically every week they're going to have to travel three hours for their game. Having played out of there compared to everyone else, probably bar Newcastle, which isn't as far, it's the worst place to play football from in Sydney because every week you get on the bus and the bus is the, the, the trip yeah, shit. Yeah, but what I'm saying to you is they have to play their home games in Sydney as well at this point in time. Yeah. So, so Campbell... every week they've got to travel three hours. So the, my point's not about bitching a moment about who's. Who's the most? Uh, who's got to travel, etc. What I'm saying is, Canberra's actually got to travel for their home games. Yeah. Whereas every other team is going to be in some sort of base, and I guess the Gold Coast have to travel for their home games 40, 40, 45 to an hour, or whatever it is, up the highway. But again, like who cares? Yeah. Well, again, I'm sure if you said to the players, "Hey, you've got to travel to Sydney every every week for your game," or Gold Coast, you've got to travel to Brisbane, they go. No worries. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't worry me. You want to get paid, fucking play. Because I'm getting paid and I'm playing the game I love. Mm. So, knocking so that on. As fans, get, on, get over it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to change. Yes, there's going to be some teams at a larger advantage. That's because of simple geographics. Like, aside from putting them all in the one bubble and making them play all out of the one venue, this is the, the next best solution. Yeah, it's a temporary situation, and again, if things keep turning the right way, it'll be as close back to normal, bar fans being yeah. in the ground as soon as possible. That's the whole point. So if we keep trending that way, things are going to be fine. But onto a more positive side of things, the round three and four draws that have been announced, and I think the first round, I think they did a really good job as far as your primetime games or those games that you're going to be on TV and the most watched Thursday night kickoff, the Broncos... The Eels, two teams that have won their first two games. Obviously, that huge semi-final loss last year where they got blown off the park by Para, 50-plus. Then Friday night, you got the 8 o'clock game. Roosters-Rabbitohs. Roosters lost their first two games. Rabbitohs having all this turmoil, that rivalry game. Saturday night, the 7.30 slot, the primetime game. Storm Raiders, two good teams. Hell of a rivalry the last couple of years. Beating Melbourne last year in the finals and eventually putting them on the opposite side of the draw when they were eliminated. Um, and then Sunday, the battle of the undefeateds for that prime time game at four o'clock. Panthers, Newcastle. Uh, obviously, a little bit of polish taken off that one from a playing perspective when Nathan Cleary gets suspended and poor Newcastle lost Jaden Braley. But nonetheless, I think they've done a really, really good job teeing up these games and the way they've set up the round. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed with any. Like, really, I know a lot of people looking into who, what, when, where, and how. I, the draw. It, it doesn't really worry me. I'm just excited for footy to be back. I'm happy for the games to be played whenever because I'm going to be watching all of them anyway. So, I, yeah, no complaints out of me. I think it's fantastic. Whatever the TV networks are happy to put on on whatever night, they can work that out, whatever they think is going to rate. But they'll get my rating every on every game. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm not concerned about it. I, I'm going to sit down and just enjoy it and try and, um, yeah, just... Consume as much footy as I possibly can. 
Well, like I said before, I watch all eight games every week, even some if I have to record, but I just think the way they've laid this out for someone who may not be able to watch that in those prime time slots, I think they pick some good games. Yeah. So if you can't consume all that content or you're only getting the free-to-air stuff, uh, I think they've done you a pretty good solid there for some of the games. Some of the other clashes, Warriors-Dragons, that'll be interesting to see how the Warriors are. Um, you know, a couple of injuries already. This whole situation, they've sacrificed more than anybody else. Dragons need a win. Sharkies-Tigers uh, last year again, that last round game. Tigers finishing ninth. Sharks off to a slow start this year, but got a couple of players coming back from injury. Uh, I, I, yeah, I really do think it's a good round. Manly, Bulldogs. Bulldogs, obviously, uh, didn't have the, the brightest of starts either and are potentially getting Kieran Foran back, so that'll be a great hand for them up against their old side and Des Hasler back in control. And Titans-Cowboys, so they've got a Queensland clash there first up, but... I think it's a pretty good round, and round two they definitely haven't slacked off either with some key matchups. Broncos Roosters is a ripper game, and hopefully going to be a cracker. South and Storm week two straight away. Eels versus Eagles, plenty of uh, bad blood there, and again Newcastle depending on their result from round one after winning the first two rounds going up against the Raiders. So uh, there's definitely some good games, and the second week because of the. Public holiday, we get five days of football. They're going to play the Dogs and the Dragons game on the Queen's birthday Monday. Yeah, I'm disappointed we did, we're not getting... That's the only thing I'd say, is I'm disappointed we didn't bring Monday Night Footy back. And I'll, I'll say that every year until they bring it back, because it was ridiculous that they chopped it to start with. I've said a hundred times. Thursday or Monday, I'll take Monday every day of the week. Oh, both of them. Both of them will work. People watch footy any night of the week. Anyway... Yep. All right. Talk about the Warriors. A little bit happened there today. Apparently, uh, with the injury situation they've had, obviously being relocated, uh, they've gone to the NRL before. They talked about that lone player situation. There was apparently clubs that were willing to give players, um, but they were denied, and now they've had a bit more of a crisis. They've already had two players go down. Jazz Tavunga's got a knee injury. They're not sure the extent yet, but if it's severe, quite possibly he's gone, and Lee has just had surgery for a torn pec. So uh, there's a couple of old players that have thrown their hat in the ring. Uh, again, whether that's more for publicity or trying to throw it out there, Paul Gallon said that he would be willing to take a phone call from the Warriors. Sam Thido, more, more joke. He's got 10 to 15 minutes left in him if he could have a run around. Um, I, I don't understand. I, again, of all the things that are going on, I don't understand why you can't loan players out. If we've let Melbourne and, and the Tigers do it, they do it in the Super League, I think it's a great thing. Momorovsky in that situation is going to benefit from playing in the Melbourne system. They need an outside back. They've already got two good hookers. The Tigers are lacking a hooker. They're getting a guy that's probably the best junior hooker that's running around. He's been the best player in Q Cup for the last two seasons. No different to this situation. The Warriors are here. They've been over backwards for you. They've done everything right so far. If they've got a couple of injuries and there's some squads out there that have got some guys outside their 30 or definitely aren't looking like playing in their teams right now or a veteran or two they don't plan on using, I don't understand why the Warriors wouldn't be allowed to grab two or three players if they keep getting injuries. I think Cameron George said he's going to go back to the NRL for another discussion because of their situation, but I can see where he's coming from. Yeah, it's just, again, we're going to have to help them out as much as we possibly can. Mm. Simple as that. Because they've done a, a great for they've made great sacrifices. They're going through... In injury crisis, they don't have the reserve grade and the lower tiers to 
call on. So it's a no-brainer. We, we have to have some sort of player pool or, um, it, you know, is there, play, is there players that are potentially development players at other clubs that can be loaned? Mm. However, however we need to do it, and look, it can't just be for the Warriors. We need to keep in mind that, you know, there may be a team who comes across an injury crisis in four to six weeks and find themselves in a similar situation. So I think for this year, we really need to look at how we utilise those players that are in, uh, you know, your, your player 30 to 40, essentially, and how do we make sure that they're getting footy? Because at the moment, they're, they're going to get no footy this year, zero. Yeah, well, you've heard the Roosters have the players outside their squad and guys that don't qualify yet, like the young gun half they signed, Sam Walker, in its own bubble because they're not allowed to be in the bubble yeah, with well, the NRL squad. but they're not playing. No, that's my point. They're not they, playing footy. So when, when, they, when they get back and start playing, these boys, they can do as much training as they want. They're still not going to be playing. No, but for the Warriors so situation... we need to work out some sort of a way of, A, getting them a game. So I'm not sh- sort of sure where that merged reserve grade system went that they were going to play on a Monday or a Tuesday night and off to the broadcasters. That's sort of gone cold. Uh, but, but they need to work something out. That They're talking at the moment like they're going to drop a lot of players back to Ron Massey, the clubs. They're going to drop players back into the, the Ron Massey when they um, when they recommence that season. So that's going to do wonders for the Ron Massey this year. That's going to turn into a, a competition with some NRL-level players with some park footballers. So... I'm not sure how that's that's going to work either because I'm pretty sure Ron Massey works on a points system. Yeah, but it? half the Ron Massey clubs aren't even linked to NRL clubs, so I don't know how that's going to yeah, work. Well, I, well, I don't know, right? but, but I, I heard today, I spoke to three or four different people, not just today, but over the weekend from different NRL clubs who have told me that that's that's what they're looking at at the moment, playing some Jersey Fleet players, playing some Canterbury Cup players, um, and realistically, if Ron Massey gets off the ground first, then... You know that, that's the avenue they're gonna they're gonna have to use to get them the footy if this yeah, well, reserve gonna, grade competition doesn't get off the ground. They're going to try, but you've got players that were already lined up there, and they're talking about when A grade gets back too. If they need to get twenties and Jersey flag guys down there, like there's, there's going to be an absolute shit fight trying to squeeze everybody in to get them football. Well, this is why I don't, I don't understand why the New South Wales Rugby League just rushed to cancel every competition again, like just postpone it indefinitely. Anyway, and this is my, this is the argument that I had about setting dates, and we didn't agree on this, but sort of saying, well, we're gonna we're gonna put this date on it, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be back on this date, or we're, you know, we're not gonna come back until this date. It's ridiculous. How, how Valandis has sort of managed it um, by sort of saying May twenty eight, once he's got all the information and can see way that, the way things are trending, that's well before July, like they'd said originally. So, again, they've just, the New South Wales Rugby League have just gone off half-cocked and made a gung-ho decision, cancelled all these competitions. Now the NRL's going to get off the ground and there's a perfect opportunity for them to have recommenced their major competitions. And, they, and look, they are for, um, you know, your Massey and your I, I don't understand why they wouldn't recommence the flag and the Canterbury Cup. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't understand. Some, someone who knows or has more information than, than we do, but to, to me it just seems ridiculous that they're, you're going to have under-sixes running around, but you're not going to have reserve graders running around. Yeah, well, again, I guess for the time being, they'd be putting in the point of training and facilities and venues and following all those rules and 
I don't know, in, in eight weeks' time, that may be a possibility. But if you kick the comp off, has everyone been training? Are they yeah, ready to go? Different to, to, to community rugby league. If community rugby league is going to get, get off the ground, it's not like the Canterbury Cup players are going to be, um, you know, at the NRL grounds with the NRL players. Oh, it's, oh, it's a head scratcher. I really don't yeah, understand it. I, th- I think they went off early, like you're saying. I'm not disagreeing Massively. with you there. They've gone I, way early. They're like everyone else, they've just panicked. As far as a, too a, far one way, and then now we, you know, we're just left. We can't. We can't bring it back. I think, just postpone it. Press pause. They never press pause on a, on Foxtel before. You know, you don't know when you're going to come back. When I'm pressing pause, I know I'm going to come back. I don't know when. I think for them right now, again. Could they get a date? Could they set something in place? Could they start looking at things? Yeah, they probably could if things keep trending the right well, way. Get but off their ass and actually do something proactive. I think the way things have panned out right now, I think they've just kind of gone, well, getting the NRL back, getting well, the, the grounds. The, the, the two, like, and you'd agree, the, 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 the two or three they should have cancelled were the Mats, the Ball, the, the Tasha Gale, because they, they only had four or five weeks left, six weeks or whatever it was left. It was clear that we were never going to get back in time for those competitions to run to their original schedule, okay? But th- these, the, the flag, the Canterbury Cup, the competitions that run right up until Grand Final Day. Well, honestly... The... Or the flag the, the week before the NRL Grand Final, but we play a state championship on Grand Final Day. I would have prioritised the three is in 20s Cup and NRL for Massey. Well, I would have said to the clubs, listen, we're not gonna, even if we're not going to play flag, you're allowed to have squads of 40 for your Canterbury Cup. Yeah, we'll just mix the twenties in and mix your, your best twenties and put them put them up. Whatever gets it off oh, the ground, honestly. And then and then your fleet players can go back and play Ron Massey and Sydney Shield. Yeah, like I, it's a no-brainer to me. I just would have prioritised those three, and then if you got Massey in that back, that hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, I, I, I disagree. I would just prioritize it too. It's going right out. You're going to NRL, but from New South Wales rugby league perspective, we're going to can the flag. That's fine because we don't want to run every competition. I would have canned the Sydney Shield, and I would have just run Canterbury Cup and Ron Massey. That, that's my opinion, anyway. Mm. If, if you were going to run two, yeah. Well, I guess again um, they're going to run the Harvey Norman Women's, which I don't have an issue with. In hindsight, from where we were to where we are now, did they go off early? I don't understand how you're running the Harvey Norman women's, but you're not running Canterbury Cup. Yeah, I think... Worked that out. Much shorter comps. I don't think they're struggling with the logistics of if they had a pre-season, is it, is a it, start date. short of a comp? Doesn't it finish at the end of July? Uh, there's not as many teams from the, the other... I don't know. Well, I don't, what does it matter? Like, again... Because the NRLW fell over this year, didn't it? That's not going to happen. Oh, well, Andrew Abdo said the other day that that's part of their plans and the deal, the TV deal and the broadcast. So whether it's on okay. again this year or not, I don't know. But I, from my memory, two well, clubs... Didn't, who, didn't they only have three teams? I think two clubs pulled out. I thought the yeah, Warriors well, and somebody else. Uh, 
to get things even relaunched there. They'd have to make an incentive for one of those two clubs to come back in financially, which right now I don't think it's a very viable thing. Or they'd have to go back to teams that bid previously, and one in particular who was very disappointed they didn't get a team originally was the Cronulla Sharks, and I don't think they're yeah. in a situation right now to say, yeah, we'll throw in a... Well, it's not a time for them to come in. They, they, they don't know the NRL anything in terms of no. NRLW. But this situation right now, I doubt they want to throw their hat in the ring for it. It's not no, really it's a time to be launching a team and be funding it. So I don't know how the NRLW looks and this how, year. how, like, Penrith or Parra don't have a team in there is a head-scratcher as well, because, as I've said a few times on the show, look, I run a, a girls' rugby league program at school, been, and we have done for the last four or five years. Like, we get thirty or forty good girls players coming out of our school looking for somewhere to play of a weekend. So they, they could easily have an NRLW team out of Penrith or Parramatta. The quality's there; they've got to tap into it. Yeah, well, I think that'll be on the horizon in the future. In particular, the Penrith Parramatta area. Some of the girls you see coming out of this area, I think they can make a ripper team. Talent is all shit. Yeah, so. we got great women players. Definitely agree with you on that front. Uh, well, last week, I, I, there's two things to do with refereeing here. We can either talk about the rules because there's been a bit more clarification. Well, let's, yeah, let's go to the rules first. There's a bit more clarification around some of the stuff we said last week. So the six again rule, the idea of it in theory sounded good, but like we said, how is it applied? I don't know how it applied. Was it applied always? Do you not get penalties inside good ball? Does it apply to one part of the field, which is not something you wanted? When you're coming out of yardage and you're getting bashed and you're struggling, you, you realistically want a penalty. You don't want a six-again restart. But the way I read it, uh, as far as some of the wording, was basically anything in the ruck that's an infringement is six-again straight away. So there is no penalty option. There's no stop option. Uh, the only way a penalty will come is after multiple infringements. And basically, if they get to that point, you get sent to the sin bin. So... That one I automatically find a little bit worrisome because we've seen, again, in the past before where they're like, oh, they'll give you a warning. They're going, oh, there'll be no warning, but we've seen different interpretations. In some games, you see a referee blow five or six penalties you know, in, in good ball when a team's attacking before they even get a warning. And you've seen other weeks where there's been three penalties blown, there's no warning, and then they send somebody off. Um, as far as getting a stoppage... It's only going to come from foul play or professional powers or penalties where the ball is lost or a play the ball needs a restart for a stoppage. So there's going to be some situations where there's still a stoppage. But, yeah, they, they want to increase the speed of the game. I, I, yeah, I get it. I like the idea in principle, but I think the application is going to be a bit awkward for the first few weeks. Yeah, I want to see it in practice. Um times where I could argue coming out of yardage yeah, I want a penalty here as a coach and there's times there where I go no I don't want the penalty happy with the six again or uh, and to roll on so I think every set is different every yeah. tackle is different every infringement is different in terms of the effect it has on the speed of that in particular play the ball where the infringement happens in terms of is it in the middle of the field or on a sideline there's a whole heap of things that um, but even game situation like we talked about like I don't want a six again yeah, call what point, what point in yeah. Time, yeah. I don't want a six again call inside the 20 if I'm 12 all in a game with five minutes left I'd rather yeah, the well, penalty and knock the two over Yeah, like they're going yeah it's going to be more exciting I get that but when it comes down to big business and getting results we know how you get results you get results by well providing that every every team's clear on yeah. this is the parameters this is how it works then there can't be any complaints because they know before yeah. they get into a game. It's for everybody. Where they're going to get themselves into trouble is if they leave a lot of grey area and 
situation where a team wanted a penalty, wasn't awarded one, they lose the game and they could have taken two that they weren't weren't afforded through a referee not awarding them a penalty rather than giving them six again. So, uh, yeah, again, I think it's just a wait and see. Let's not blow up too much about it. Let's not fall in love with the rule. Let's just see how it plays out. Um I like the idea that we're trying to speed the game up. I really, really do. And again, yeah, we both... I think going back to one ref was a, is a positive, but I can also see the negative side of it. Again, I, I'm not partial to two refs, one ref. My concern with going back to one is that you're going to take that eyes off the ruck and that's where a lot of the wrestling and, and all that's happening. Yeah, well, that's, so that, that's... that's my only concern, but I, I don't have an issue with them going back to one ref. I, I don't think... International games are that much different to. I don't think they're much quicker at all. Games if we see one official, so. And again, our sample size. I, I, I just also like the fact that you're going to go back to having one man and make decisions, not having a pocket ref in his ear all the time, and also having differences in regards to interpretation, because often, more often than not, when you had two referees, there wasn't a head referee and a. And a and an assistant referee, a lot of the time you'd have one team being refereed and kept back by one referee, and then the other team kept back by the second referee. Mm. Or even when they rotated and said, I'll have a rest and I'll take the lead or I'll take control, you get yeah. two different interpretations. You get some guy that might have a short of 10. You yeah, know, you've only got to look at the six-again call in the, the grand final last year. You had two referees with two different interpretations of the same incident. Well, that was the right call, though. It was the right call, but what I'm saying to you is one, one call... Uh, play on a one called six again, mm. and uh, it was it, it was the, it was the right call. Mm. They, they got the right result. But what I'm saying is, it's just two different calls. I think with the one referee, you're going to get the one call, and that's it. Suck it up, move on. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree. You know, and there's talk that they're going to have someone from the bunker tipping um, to the referee, which I, I like. The, the, the best view in the game is from um, the camera. From TV. Well, they've got a million angles too, so they should be keeping their eyes on the ruck in particular. They were saying that the Providing touch judge. They're not tipping up on every little thing and they keep getting. Like, yeah, the penalty frenzy. In the yeah. Stop the referee. Stop the absolute howler. Stop the incidents that are going to have an impact on the game. May impact the result of the game. Yeah. Otherwise, leave the fucking game alone. The talk about Let the, the game touch. Flow and, and that's how you're going to get fatigued back in the game. All these people, all these so called experts talking about you know, the rule manipulations that we need to make in, in regards to getting fatigue. I tell you, the best way to get fatigue back into the game is create less rules and create less room for referees to become involved and just let the game flow. The more the game flows and the more consistency we have in play and the shorter we have our breaks within, um, you know, intermissions in play, so scrums, taps, dropouts, etc. that's how you're going to get fatigue back in the game. Well, that was why one of the big points we brought up, the, the shot clock, the scrum clock, the dropout, all those things. Fuck them off. Get rid of them. You, if you're going to do that, cut them in half because people... No, don't, don't have them at all. Just get out of here. We're packing the scrum. And if they're not packed in time, penalise them. Like what used to happen 20 years ago when the, there was nothing wrong with the game aesthetically. All, all the issues that we have in the game now that people complain about are through rules and interpretations and, um, I guess, gadgets and implementations that we've made through either coaches complaining or fans complaining at the end of every year. We we change the rules and we fuck around with the game every year. You know, oh, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to go that. We're going to go back to this. And we're going to 
fiddle around with the interchange? Am I going to fiddle around with, you know, the seven tackle set, the 20 metre restart and the 20-40 and the 40-20? Like, just leave the game alone for a few years. Well, potentially in this situation, though, we might be doing the same thing because the talk was if it doesn't work out that well and they're not happy, they will go back to two referees. There you go. Well, they could scrap the six again rule. We don't know. So, who knows? It's all going to see how it plays out. But I think this but is... Yeah, it's, just, it's new rules. But what I do like is halving the, the level of interpretation that you have on the field. Mm. Just back to one ref. He's the man. He makes the decision. If you don't like it, get over it. We're, we're rolling on. Okay? It's human error, just like when a player goes to catch a ball and he drops it. Mm. And I do... It's the same, it's the same thing. The bunker's going to be there to assist and avoid the howler, get the touch he's actually doing something, uh, and, and give everyone some accountability and some ownership over making sure that the game is officiated as, as effectively as possible. We've got good enough referees there. There's good enough people there to referee the game correctly. Mm. We're just putting too many constraints, too much pressure, too many different things to look at, too many rules around them. Yeah, well, I think on the flip side of that, again, they were saying that the referee that's furthest away, sorry, the touchy that's furthest away will help assist with the 10. The one who's closest to the ruck will look to the ruck. I honestly don't know how he's going to get a much better shot than, say, what the lead referee on the field is going to get. I think, if anything, the two touchies need to be responsible. I, I, I disagree. I think if, if from halfway to the sideline, if you're on that side of the field, you can get a pretty good look at the ruck. I, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think the referee on the field should be doing more to do with the ruck and looking at all that sort of things. And your two touch judges, if they can't hold the 10 with all the t- microphones and tip the referee out, well, then they're taking the piss. I think yeah, it's... I, I, I don't think it's a touch judge's job to hold the 10. The referee has to hold the 10. Um, but we just, we just need more eyes. Like get, get the eyes of the bunker on that on that cam. Just have one bloke watching the ruck, watching a camera that just stays on the ruck. It's not hard. Well, full stop. It's going to be very interesting just to see how this all pans out because reading that today, that basically the multiple infringements, how many? Is that going to be interpreted? Are they going to be told internally a particular number of multiple ruck infringements before they do an actual penalty stop and a sin bin? This is why I'm an advocate for the five-minute sin bin because I think in this situation in particular, a 10-minute sin bin still, if there's two or three quick ruck infringements to me, is just like, oh, 10 minutes. Like It is a big punishment. Yeah, it could affect the game, but... If you had the five minutes in bin, if there's don't do it. if there's three don't, quick, don't, don't do it. Yeah, I get that. But if the five minutes in bin, I think just gives you an easier way to go. All right, you're gone. Go have a quick spell, and give you a chance with that kind of rule to attack a lot quicker. Yeah, but then again, it's another breaking play. Because I still because think the, you know, there's the players, the players just dawdle off the field. They've got to wait. Again, it reduces the amount of fatigue. Oh, I, I, I still think there's a grey area here as to how that's going to be interpreted by each referee. How many penalties is it going to take? What's the situation like going to, to be? Be able to. Um, Sin bin a few plays later. So if a player is deliberately giving away a penalty and deliberately trying to slow the play down, to then allow the play to continue, allow a quick tap, allow the team with with the ball to attack as quickly as they want to without having to stop and then have the referee talk, sin bin someone, and then you know, ninety seconds later we restart the game. I'd like to see the attacking team have the advantage play as quick as they possibly can. They get six again. Way they go, they use all their tackles. They either score, drop the ball, or you just get to a point where you go, well, I have to send in now. But I'd like to see referees be able to play advantage to a degree and then send in afterwards. 
that that's again just another thing. A little bit of discretion in and around. If you're going to try and dissuade players and, and coaches from trying to these spoiling and slowing tactics, I think we're just got to look at ways in which we can alleviate it and discourage it. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. And again, some players. That's not a rule change. That's just allowing the referee discretion to mm. say, right, like at the at the moment, this attacking side's in a good position. They're rolling. I'm not going to blow my whistle now. That's what the referee should be able to do. Use their discretion. They're out there on the field. They've got well, the best field for they, the game. They know the game, yeah, the so game. they should be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I want to see more back into the game. With one Let referee. The referees be referees, not just fucking robots. And again, that argument again, everyone going, oh, they do it with two, they always do it with two. Like your whole apprenticeship, your whole way through to become an NRL ref is refereeing solo. And I, I, I honestly say the same thing a lot of the time doing the cup games and commentating, that I find that they, they, after that level, I think they do lose a bit of their confidence or things do get a bit cloudy when they come into the NRL ranks. Because when you watch them at cup and flag and all that and they run their own race... There is still somebody there trying to talk in their ear and give them a little bit of direction, but for the most part, they're the only one on the field. They own the result. Mm. So I don't mind the one... Like Again, we signalled some warnings last week. We didn't poo-poo it, but we basically brought in from a coach's perspective what we're talking about. The ruck is where everything is one and done. If they're going to get really heavy on the ruck, give infringements, get some sim bins out of there, hopefully they can shake some of this rule and get things moving a little bit faster but you do all that's going to happen now is the the wrestle is now going to go from the ground to now on the feet yeah they're going to start to coach to catching it that's what happened well more time dancing as we like to call it or fucking standing up before you go to ground and then when they when they call hell they'll they'll put them on the ground until the referee start to nail that but they'll always find a way they will the the six against a good rule because in this situation, because if you then say, okay, like it's tackle three, we've just lost this tackle, quick play the ball, you know, the defending side gets three ta- three defenders in, they're, you know, on their own try line, they're thinking that, you know, maybe potentially we haven't controlled this tackle, um, or we're going to give away a penalty. At, at least then, hopefully, you know, with that six again, okay, the referee goes penalty six again, that they just allow the teams to play on as quickly as possible. Yeah, I also think from a strategic point of view in certain parts of the game, talking on what I said before, as much as at some stages you might want a field goal, oh, sorry, a penalty goal or a penalty instead, I think early parts of the games, your smarter teams like your Melbournes or your Roosters might just want to camp down there and just try and ice you if they don't score. If they get two or three ruck infringements and make you make 18 tackles, they might just pummel you relentlessly. <laughs> try and get a repeat set or hand the ball over then just tee off on you and those kind of things come back to bite you on the ass later in the game so I think in particular earlier on in the game with those six again rules or multiple ruck infringements you'd be looking to bank some fatigue in some teams if that rule was in place <laughs> so I, I think it'll be interesting to see at different stages how it's used but the overall interpretation and how it's done by the refs I guess is going to be the most interesting part but on the flip side for everyone saying oh there's going to be mistakes there's still fucking mistakes now with two referees it's never been perfect yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be perfect. So, just again, go with the flow. Let's see what happens. And they've basically, that's the one thing I will give to Volandis again about the way he's handled all of it. Basically, if this doesn't work, they're going to be happy to go back to the two referee situation uh, or the six again thing as quickly as it was brought in. Wouldn't surprise me if it was scrapped. And Wayne Pierce basically said as much as well that, you know, they're going to make mistakes, but there is mistakes now. So, let's see what happens. Yeah. But, uh, that's more so the ruck side of things, but linking to that, and we talked about the referees, they're not happy at the moment. <laughs> no, they're not. Well, they've, 
sought legal action, um, industrial action. They sought mediation today. They couldn't come to an agreement with the NRL. So they're going to court uh, for a, you know, like an interim hearing, I guess, on on Friday. So at this stage, they're saying that they're not going to strike. But they are pushing to, to say essentially that they want the two-referee system to still exist. Uh, so outside of that, the information is quite scarce, but that's, that's where the referees are at at this point in time. Now, the crux of their argument, you could look at it from two different angles, I guess. The concern that, you know, with the halving of on-field referees, are there going to be cuts? Well, I think it would be naive for the referees to think that they're not going to be affected by this, I guess, financial crisis that the game has felt. So it's only natural that there are people within the refereeing ranks that are going to lose their jobs. So the sooner they get their head around that and accept that, the better. The second issue is then how do the referees react and do they have enough time to get themselves ready to have one referee and then also wrap their head around the rules and interpretations which have been changed, you know, 14 days out essentially from the competition restarting. Um, I, I can see their point there that, you know, they've, they've trained all pre-season. They've trained for the majority, majority of the shutdown for there to be two referees with the rules as they were prior to the game uh, suspending indefinitely. I, I, I can sympathise with them. However, our, our most important stakeholder, the players, have had just as much time to respond and react and get their head around it. The coaches, officials, no one in the game has been advantaged, I think, by this rule change happening so late. And everybody's uh, lost something. The referees have probably got some concern around the fact that, you know, are, are they going to be as efficient and effective with their rulings and their processes, etc., as what they would have if they'd had six weeks' notice? But I think everyone will give them some breathing room and understand that they're not going to be cherry ripe straight away but I think for the majority of us we're probably expecting the players to be a little bit rusty for the first two weeks as well which is usually what happens in round one and two of our when our competition starts on a normal season anyway so yeah I I don't really know how this is going to play I don't know I don't have a gut feel for whether the referees legally have a position and if they do, whether they're going to be able to force the NRL to go back to two referees, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I've never seen anything like this. I, I've, we've seen it in the NFL, where there's been paid disputes with the referees. We haven't seen industrial action around uh, the changing of the number of officials on a field. Uh, and, and the NFL just got replacement referees in. You know, Peter Flanders. There was an article last week I read uh, saying that he would he would look at potentially replacement referees. The NRL referees need to be very very careful because you know if they push push it too far here, they they all might end up on their ass without a gig. So uh, I believe that we've got great depth in refereeing at the Canterbury Cup and Queensland Cup levels. Those guys just need an opportunity. I think they can come in. Again, they take some time to adjust, but I think we've got plenty of good referees out there who could handle the NRL level. 
yeah. you know, after a month or six weeks to adjust. So be careful what you wish for, referees. Everyone's sort of had to make some changes and have had some discomfort through this period. So they're not getting a lot of sympathy from me. Usually I'm a, I'm a big advocate and supporter of the referees, but in this case I, I tend to disagree with them. And you were saying earlier off air that the referees have been all guaranteed their positions for this year and next year as well, the guys in the full-time squad. Well, the full-time squad, yeah. So I think a lot of the push here is coming from the union and the guys that obviously are going to be out on their arse or potentially not have a spot anymore. But so. are they going to be out on their arse? I guess for, for this year they might be. No, long-term, now. If you're a part-time the, or a touchy or whatever and your job's going to be gone, I think they're the ones that would be kicking up more of a stink. But mm. part of their argument to start is... I mean, is, they're, no, they're no different to all the employees that the clubs have been out that are out on I was about to say, this, this is the funny thing. Of all the people right now, as if they're not hated enough, and no offence to any referees out they're not the most popular people in rugby league. The coaches, the players, the officials, everybody, the gamers work so hard to get things going again. If the one thing that stopped it from going back was the referees, if they want to be any more hated, uh, this is a good way to go about it. I know it's not ideal and the circumstances are changing and part of their argument was that they had an enterprise agreement which runs to 2022. They're saying they don't have the right to change it. I don't know if that's the case, but my understanding realistically is if if you're a full-timer, uh, it's a bit of a circumstance, but I thought part-times and casuals, if you could prove, uh, you know, or, they, or they're not locked in like the full-timers, if they wanted to move off them, that's different. The other part of the argument was money, which, again, it's not a time to be talking about money. Silvio DeVecchio, whatever his name is, uh, who's the chairman of the union, was talking, well, if we only have 20 and they're doing more work, do they get more pay? Like, we need to scale into that. I'm just like, yeah, it's, this is a, not, not a great situation, but, again, I think the, the whole outline just really, really funny to think that at the end of the day, of all people, if they're not already got enough heat week to week and they're not already disliked enough that the referees could be the reason that things get held up. Yeah. You can't yeah, survive forever. And I, and I think, again, previous administration or things done prior, we've said it previously, the referees have got way too much notoriety. The growth in the squad... Facebook pages announcing that like all, all the bits and pieces that growing up I didn't know half the names I knew Bill Harrigan you knew a handful of the others but generally for the reason that you only saw a handful of older heads on the TV that were in charge of the game I didn't know who touch judges were I didn't see posts they weren't getting around in squads and tracksuits and elites and having 30-40 people I'm all about development and expansion in all areas of the game but I think something like that uh, has probably got put on a pedestal a little bit too much and again it's not trying to take away from him because at the end of the day, without referees, it's not a game either. But in this situation here right now, of, of all the stakeholders to be put in the game at threat, was it a, a light, bit of a last-minute decision or a late change or a direction they could have headed in the off-season, which I said last week, I, I think, you know, ideally I would have stuck with the for at least the rest of the season. Yep, but I don't think they're buying themselves any sympathy at all in this situation, given everyone's sort of had to give up something to get back on the field. Yeah. So I, I think even Bill Harrigan said as much. I, don't, I really don't think it's in their, their best interest in this situation and they're definitely not going to be supported. No. So, yeah, no one wants to lose their job. I'm sure if it was any of us, we'd probably be filthy as well. But uh, it seems that the barrow has been more pushed from those that are not in full-time positions or part-time positions. So, um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, it wouldn't surprise me if they could get him from elsewhere or he, he just... He's ballsy. He really is ballsy. It wouldn't surprise me if they got to that point. Well, you know, for a fact, he'd get him from elsewhere. So, We've seen the referees close up. I would not be surprised. Minor competitions. They'd handle it fine. 
Yeah, well, there's a couple of guys in Cup that I know aren't part of any of those squads yet who definitely do a very, very good job and been there for the last couple of years. Exactly. If that happened for a couple of weeks, unless there's something there, and again, I'm not into law and legal and contractual agreements and anything else, unless there's something there that they have to stand on, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he went out on a limb and grabbed a couple of good or younger refs from those comps and just said, meh, yeah. take your touches and other bits and pieces, pay them a little piece of the pie, and those of you who aren't willing to come back or strike won't get paid for the time, but... Yeah, correct. But if they're not altering their pay for those that are going to be staying, those guys, if they're picking up an extra game on the touchline or whatever, well, you know, that's something to be worked out long-term, I guess. Yeah, you've got your deal. You've got your deal until 2022. Well, guess what? The players had a fucking deal in place long-term as well, and that's been affected. Everyone's been affected. Yeah. So no one's one's a complete winner out of this situation, but I think particularly more so than anybody, if anyone's going to cop hate, It'll be referees more so than players or anyone else as far as pay cuts and situations to do with money, job security, etc. Yeah, correct. So hopefully it's all sorted. But tell you what, again, the freight train of Alandis keeps on running. He didn't look happy on the news today when he left the court. And uh, it's also costing him money, which is something they're trying to save at the moment, having to go to court. So he's definitely not going to be happy. Yeah, well, he'll, uh, he'll work away. Hmm. You got anything else, Boxhead? No, that's me. I can't think of much else off the top of my head. I'm going to be completely honest for everyone that's listening. I tried to avoid most of the football stuff this week because, I'm just, like I said last few weeks, I'm at that point now where a lot of it's crap, the Fox League law, a lot of the things that have been on, there's just no footy talk anymore. They're rerunning yeah, things. I'm not, I'm not watching it either. No. I've basically put myself in white mode where I'm like, next week I'm really looking forward to it because we get to talk about lineups, teams, like there's, you probably can't analyse into it probably as deep as we'd like to because we've got no form line, but it's actually talking about footy, which is why we do this for. So very much looking forward to that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, next week, you know, we're going to be able to, we're going to have some team lists and things to go on, but oh, I think it'll be the week after once we've got actual games to talk about, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I guess the uh, other thing. We're not far away, stay positive. And again, I'd, just don't read the shit. Don't go on social media. No, that's what I said. Just the last week... Come on to listen to the podcast. The last that's week, right. I've just avoided it, but then also when we're going to talk, I have to have a bit of a look through what's been going on. So, Yeah. Got to keep somewhat up to date. If it's negative and crap, I just disengage with it. Mm. Don't sweat the small stuff. It doesn't worry me. We are very, very close. Very close. And potentially next week, we you messaged me before about it. Do you want to redo our ladders? Oh, no, I think I just wanted to redo the season predictions because we're now, you know, what, two months, three months removed and so much has changed. And mm, but do you want to go... Totally different. So, yeah, I think we should redo our top eights, our premiers, minor premiers. Yeah, but we won't run through the teams as in-depth with squads no, or whatever. We, we can talk about, okay, this team's had injuries prior or this has happened, but more of a quick relook if we've made any changes. But it's a restart. Yeah, it's a competition restart, yeah. so... I, I personally, I know I personally want to change a few of my predictions uh, because we've got new information. Yeah, well, we'll have a bit of a look. Things have changed. And we'll have a bit of a look next week then and we'll go through a few of those. Yeah. As well as preview the round and we'll be back to betting. We'll both two from two to kick off the year, so hopefully we can get some money going back in everyone's pockets. Yeah, 100%. And I'm looking forward to having a bet on the footy because I'll tell you what, the horse has started off all right the last few weeks have been cruel. I just going to stay and keep throwing punches. So I want football back. <laughs> Get it back. Uh, and I guess 
some other little tidbits just before we go. Milford, another one of these players who had a one-year option and extended. Not surprised at all. Uh, I think anyone, like I said last week, who has an option in their favour in this current climate, you're taking it. And you're playing yeah, it out sure. to see what happens. Uh, a bit of a sadder one, Luke Bateman, who was a toiler down there at Canberra, uh, had some bad injuries, had a bit of bad luck off the field. Now there's no reserve grade comp this year. He's decided to give the game away temporarily and go home to Queensland. Basically, with the injury and no potential reserve grade, he's just there, I guess, toiling away and probably just feels it's, he needs a bit of a bit of time away, so he's going to go home. Yeah, well, he could probably make more coin back home, maybe. Mm. So he's going to go home and reassess and potentially maybe in 12 months he's playing somewhere else, maybe just play some park football, who knows. But yeah. uh, really, really good bloke. And probably the last one, big signing news, New Zealand Warriors. The young back row that we talked about in the preseason who had massive raps on him to come over from Rugby Union uh, Eliezer Katoa, his first two games, he was close to their best player. They've re-signed him for four years. Good. So I tell you, I'll, I'll say one thing. Usually when the Warriors do a bit of business, I'm generally worried. The one reason I'm not worried is because this is through Peter O'Sullivan. And say what you will about some of the things or question marks around his time at Melbourne and the Roosters and other uh, bits and pieces, he can find a player. Yeah. Um, if he finds somebody and generally puts a stamp of approval on him, he's got a very bloody good track record. So... In two games, this is a 19-year-old kid who's never played rugby league. He was pretty dominant in those two games. And I'm assuming as well, four-year deal, sure, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have gone overs. It'd be a good deal, but I'm sure it's beneficial for both Katoa and it's beneficial for the Warriors. But he does look like a good prospect. Yeah. Good good business. Lock up your good young players. Mm. And in their situation right now, uh, in particular, when we're saying, you know, you got Chanel and who's going to be the other half and they need forwards and there's some bits and pieces missing. Uh, he's one I definitely don't think you want to let go to market. No, he's exactly right. So, time to lock him up. They've got in early. Uh, good situation on the Warriors side of things and rest in peace to Arthur Summit. Yeah, terrible body. 84 years old. Uh, one of the figures there, obviously, on the iconic NRL Premiership trophy. Uh, absolute cracker every year when he talks at the Dalliums. He generally <laughs> has some good one-liners or he's pretty funny, but a uh, hell of a player as well. And that, that image is always going to be iconic. But, yeah, very sad news. Terrible. Yeah, 84, he, he looked like he had more time left in him as well. He, you know, out of um, Arthur and Norm, like Norm sort of had more health struggles recently than what Arthur has, at least for what's been documented and mm. made public. But... Um, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's sad, yeah. Yeah. I've got the Gladiators picture on the wall um, in my theatre room with uh, Arthur and Norm signed, so um, I think it's the, it's the best picture in the game. It's the best um, image that we have throughout our, you know, 112 years of rugby league. I think it's the most, um, or it's, it's the picture that, captures and, and uh, sums up our game that words probably probably can't do justice to so um, and you know it's, it's encapsulated in our, in our premiership trophy so um, he's going to live on and his memory will live on but um, yeah it's bloody bloody sad yeah. sad more so for the family um, but yeah for the game it's a just terrible time as well um, you know we're about to celebrate the, the start of um, the recommencement and, you know those two guys would have been um, part of that no doubt and looking forward to the, to the game restarting but 
um, unfortunately. Arthur's been, I guess, taken away. And, um, yeah, I don't think the Dally M's will ever be the same, will they? Nah, it was always a good laugh. Uh, he was classic, always just says it how it was. Great personality and um, just what's good about the old in rugby league, like our history. They're, they're, um, they're the people who carry the history of our game. And, and when they when they pass away, um, so does our, you know, the living representation of the history of our game also passes away. So um, we've got memories and, you know, we've got the, the footage and, and the rest of it from from those that, that have passed on. But um, while they're here, you know, they can talk about all those good old stories and, you know, they can talk about that image. You know, Norman Arthur spoke about the image where they embraced after the grand final. And, um, yeah, it's just the game's poor for, for having him pass, but um, all the better for having him within the game. Just to, I'll, I'll remember him. You know, we, we obviously never saw him play. I'll just, I'll just remember him as the, the cheeky old bugger who just ripped into people at the Daly M's <laughs> says it how it was and you know had a good wit and he was just the old old school rugby league yeah 100% which is you know when we're, when we're sitting here talking about wrestle and referees and interpretations like that that's what irks me about all that stuff because there was none of that crap back in you know old school rugby league and look I understand that the game's moved on but you know I think at, at times we've probably lost you know, parts of the game that we shouldn't have lost and that larrikin and that laid back old school attitude probably has gone out of the game a little bit as well with the professionalism and um, I just think the game's probably a little bit poorer for, for moving away from blokes like him yeah um, they're probably now park footballers not not professionals uh, because you know that sort of stuff's not seen as politically correct but uh, he was an absolute, absolute piss and absolute legend. Made me piss myself multiple times on Dalian night because he just, he just tear in. Yeah. Tell it how, tell it how it is, or you know, him and Norm yakking away and joking, because Norm's not like that at all. Like Norm seems like your classic, quiet, polite gentleman, and Arthur's your, your larrikin, um, cheeky halfback. Yeah, but Dalliums, Dalliums, and uh, you know the parts of the game where you know, him and Norm are, are usually there and celebrated. They're just never going to be the same again, are they? No, definitely not. All right, last little bit. Anything in isolation that you want to tell everyone for one last time? Because as of next week, and I did something that a lot of people said that they're sick of Corona talk. We have basically not mentioned Corona, but isolation, movies, books, any TV. Have you got anything new? Not anything you've been watching again or same old. Finished the last dance today. Well, I haven't. I still got three to go. Yeah, finished that today. Fantastic, excellent documentary. I watched um, tight the Tyson documentary from the Amazon or something. About ten years ago, um, it was made in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Is that the one where he starts off talking about his birds and fighting? And... It's him. Yeah, he. he I've watched that before. It. I watched that ages yeah, ago. So I, I watched that. Uh, what else did I watch this week? Not a lot, because I've, I've been back at school full-time, so... Uh, we're two and a half seasons through Ozark, so we'll finish that by the time we're on the podcast next week. Belter, cracker show, so... I know I say it every week, but... Um, 
we've got six episodes of that to, to go before we've caught up. Afterlife, I've just finished second season of that. I think I said that last week. Yeah. Uh, books, no. I'm still sort of plodding through. I did a coaches, coaches summit on the weekend. So there was a few other books that I'm, I'm going to um, read as a, as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of them are coaching books. I don't, I don't do a lot of um, biographies and... You know, I don't, I don't read for leisure. I read to sort of get better, I suppose, as a coach, sort of trying to develop myself as a, as a coach. Mm. The reading that I do, so for a lot of people out there, they're probably not interested in much of that stuff anyway. Fair enough. What about you? Well, I definitely need to keep watching The Last Dance. That's been outstanding. Uh, it's been good to have the UFC back. I was about to say, if there's one thing I've enjoyed the last week when they had the three events on, the UFC fights were awesome. And I, I don't know whether those guys were just a bit stir-crazy because they've been locked up as well waiting to fight or the fact there was no crowds there just made them, you know, a bit more fanciful free and there was less pressure because it was an empty arena. But I thought the results were actually better. Uh, the fights were better as a result of no crowd. Well, that was my take. Because I'm sure when you walk out and everyone's yelling and screaming or booing, like it's hard not to be emotionally affected or take all that in. But in an empty arena, much like when I used to watch the Ultimate Fighter series is in the house, some of those fights were some of the better fights you'd see because they're just, they're fighting for a job. Um, in that situation, they're not, but it was almost a similar situation. They're just there fighting. There's minimal people watching, camera crew, commentators. I, I think for a lot of them, that took a little bit of the pressure away and the fights were better. Mm. So I really enjoyed that. I've watched some World War Two docs on Netflix as well, but... That's, that's just me. I love a little bit of World War Two, a little bit of history. That's good. Uh, I'm always... In, re- I'm in my Sopranos rewatchables, I've just started season five, so I'm almost 50 episodes through my rewatch of The Sopranos. So, yeah, more TV than usual, put it that way. More TV than usual. Well, I've been... All my sport podcasts as usual, which I'm not going to go through, but because there's nothing been doing, they've been getting less and less uh, enjoyable because of the content. But I've been looking for a laugh in this time. So for the most part, for me, a lot of comedy specials on Netflix. I watch just about anything to see if someone's funny. Um, new season of South Park come out. I still think they're so in... They may not be politically correct, but they just don't give a fuck. And they're hilarious. They're hilarious. They're hilarious. hilarious. And they're genius. Yeah. Some of the stuff they come up with, I'll tell you what. Well, I'll tell you, I haven't listened to a rugby league podcast. I mean, listen, not rugby league. I've been listening to... Like, no, but I'm just saying, like, back to... Watching shows, like I didn't, I didn't watch any. I haven't watched Fox League Live since that night I blew up on here when they had Burgess and, and Astor. My wife actually turned it on tonight. Burgess and Astor are there. The last two Tuesday nights, um, we've turned it on just out of interest since my. I tell you, since my blow up, and they haven't. They actually haven't had an Astor and Burgess on, so I don't know whether maybe the producers are just gone. They've seen what we've seen, or they've got, you know, they've got complaints. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and again, it, it is what it is. But um, that there, the, and, and like you said before, the fact that they don't have a lot of content to go off either. It's not helping. Can't, can't make it an easy job, but no. Nah. Well, next week um, three sixty will be back, so we're back to normal. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that coming yeah. back. I, I, I did, how I did, however, click on today. I clicked on a link where. Um, Paul Kent was talking about his relationship with Wayne Bennett and why that sort of fell out and um, 
because Wayne said he'd lied about a story. He made a story up over Marshall and Milford. And then um, a couple of weeks later, Peter Bedell wrote an article that said, you know, essentially that Milford did have a poor training ethic and basically confirmed the story that Paul Kent had written. And um, apparently Bennett and Kent haven't spoken since. So, um, and then Gordy jumped, jumped in and was talking about of course he did. a couple of blues with Bennett. But, um, yeah, it went for about three or four minutes. It was on, I don't know whether it was on Twitter or Facebook, but I clicked on it and had a listen to it. It was interesting. Well, if there's anyone, of, one of, of all the podcasts I think that have handled this really, really well, Bill Simmons has done an outstanding job. Yeah. I've still listened to a lot of Bill Simmons. They've just... They've rode the wave of the Michael Jordan thing. They've had a lot of good inside stories. He's had good people on. Um, I think like there's there's a lot more content over there, I guess, sporting wise. And he does pop culture and movies and whatever. But I think he, out of all the people, all the podcasts in this time that I listen to regularly, he's done a ripper job. I've stuck with him. But for one, again, out there, people, if you like me and you like a bit of a laugh, really good one. I've mentioned it before. The Conan O'Brien podcast. They're great. He gets. He's a funny bloke, but he gets actors and big people in the world. People that generally, when you see him on TV, you get the same cookie-cutter crap. When they do these things with him, you see why he was a writer for The Simpsons and a comedy writer and all the bits and pieces. They're just loose chats with really funny, creative people. Like it's, it's no bullshit about, oh, I did this. Right? It's like it's good story. It's just a really good laugh. So I've been listening to a heap of Conan O'Brien podcasts when I go to sleep, and he just interviews celebrities and comedians and all these people and I, I generally find myself just sitting there laughing the whole time so just it strips it back a little bit I guess they feel more comfortable talking to him or the way he has the conversation it doesn't feel forced it's a lot better than what you see on TV chat shows that's for sure yeah 100% so that's where I'll finish up but last thing we got to do give a plug to Penrith Solar Centre and they've still been kicking goals in this tough time so no surprise there Jake and the boys if you are looking at getting yourself on board if you haven't been hit too hard by this situation. Again, leading to summertime, especially when you live in our neck of the woods in Western Sydney, good way to save yourself some dollars. We've benefited massively over the last two years with a good solar system. It's time to tackle your rising power bills head-on this season with the help of solar energy. The team at Penrose Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bin their rising bills for good. Find out how Penrose Solar can help you and your family, the big winners this season with quality solutions for your home. Visit them on www.penrosolar.com.au or give them a call on 1800 20 29 30. Again, still kicking goals and not surprised. They're a ripper business. If you're looking for solar, and again, especially in the summer, uh, you may not need it right now, but in the coming months as it gets closer, Penrosolar, great way to go. And even we've had it before again. Uh, they're really good people. We've had people that listen on the podcast from Melbourne other things still hit us up and I've passed them on to Penrosola and they've referred them to other people that are trusted suppliers in other states so uh, they're a ripper company outstanding but that'll wrap us up for now Brock like you said we've done the work we've slugged we've done best ofs teams bunch of stories and bits and pieces over this period of time but next week football is finally back oh yeah bring it on we're looking forward to it, everybody out there. We look forward to talking to you next week. We'll be back into the hardcore stuff. We'll have a look at our ladders, some of our season predictions, and get right back into the nitty-gritty. Thank God the NRL season is only nine days away. Brock, talk to you next week. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it?
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 